0: I never thought I'd say it, we've been waiting for it, we've moaned, we've complained, we've been frustrated, Tom's lost his hair, but here we are Tom, and I'm, I'm gonna say it, Manchester United 6, leads 2, we're 3rd, with a game in hand, is 21 actually on?
1: Well it's definitely on, but before we get into that I want to talk about the actual start, it was a decent little
0: start to a football match wasn't it? Oh, mate, talk about starting slow. Mate, what's such a problem? United, absolutely flying. Like I said, United 6, leads 2, but fantastic game and the sort of game you want to see in a big rivalry, don't you? And, well, Tom, let's not waste any time, mate. If we're talking about starting fast, mate, Scott McTominay is not the first person who comes to mind. I would have thought Dan James, you know, he's very quick. And I guess before we get into McTominay, actually, did you expect him in the lineup and Dan James as well? Just want to see what you thought of the starting eleven before we sort of rip into the individual performances.
1: Yeah, well, there are two players I, I sort of did call for. I spent. We'll get into Dan James, and a lot of people disagreed with me, but I thought it probably was the game for Dan James. And on the McTominay inclusion, again, I could understand people's frustration with it, but for me, it was the correct one because I know Paul Pogba has been playing well, but I think such a huge sort of issue in this game, or sort of a huge factor in this game, was sort of matching the amount of running Leeds did. Like, Leeds run more than any other team, and I think those the stats came out of how much ground was covered, and United were matching them in this game. So I'm not saying we don't win the game without Paul Pogba, but if Leeds get a foot because Leeds played well. Leeds created many chances, so I'm not sure how that midfield sort of functions if we don't have the legs of McTominay in there. If Paul, Paul, I'm not calling Paul Pogba lazy, but if you would not having he's quite sort of most efficient day, I don't know how that plays out. So I think McTominay well obviously the two goals completely justifies his selection, but I think the attributes Solskjaer needed in this game and needed in that midfield was one of Scott McTominay and not Paul Pogba. So I think while it was a lot of frustration in his selection and dropping Paul Pogba, thought it was the absolute perfect perfect selection by Solskjaer.
0: Best way to put it. I have to admit, I was surprised to see the Scotsman in the lineup. But hey, two goals in two minutes—he shut me up pretty quickly. Let's go into Scott McTominay. Tom, look, he splits. He splits opinion. There's no ifs or buts about it. He's a player who many will say is effective for a certain job, but perhaps not the midfielder you want to win a competition. Should he be your first choice in that heart of in the heart of the midfield? But then you look at performances like today where he's shown he can be box-to-box. He's shown that he can score in the opposition's end and be a threat. And particularly the second goal, like the build-up to it, absolutely sublime. But is Scott McTominay better than what me, you, Manchester United fans in general perceive? Or is he simply, like today, a tool that you can use in what is such a long season?
1: he's been around for a while now, so we have enough evidence to sort of make a judgment on what type of player he is. He is still a young player, but he's been around for a few years. And I think ultimately, yes, is he going to be a world-class midfielder? Of course not. He's not going to be that, but he can still be a fantastic player. He can be a legend of Man United and not be world-class. I don't think that's the issue. But we have seen his limitations in certain games from a sort of a creative point. If we don't have that creative spark in midfield, I don't think you can really look to Scott McTominay but in regards to your point of is he better than than we give him credit for, I have to say yes because I always go back to this game. But when in Solskjaer's first season, when we got knocked out by knocked out of the Champions League by Barcelona, in the first leg we lost one nil at Old Trafford. I'm telling you, Lionel Messi was on the pitch, but Scott McTominay was the best player on the pitch in regards to quality. McTominay was fantastic, and you have to be a good player to be able to be the best player on a field that contains players like Lionel Messi. And again today. Look, he did his job well. His job wasn't sort of fantastic from... Okay, he wasn't Paul Pogba spraying passes around. He just did his job well. But you look at little things like his assist for the Dan James goal was... One, very clever. One, very well executed. But you just have to look at... You mentioned that second goal. It looks like a really good step over, but it is beyond really good. It is unbelievable because he realises he can't take a touch with his left foot. So he just lets the ball roll over. jumps, takes a touch with his right, across to his left, and a very neat finish. So... I think, yeah, we do have to give him credit and say he probably is a better footballer than we do give him credit for.
0: Look, I totally take on board what, everything that you've said. and But if I were to reference that Barcelona game, he was the best player on the pitch, but I'd say he was the best player on the pitch for what he offered in terms of his energy and his defensive discipline. I wouldn't say he was the best player on the pitch based on you know excellent passing or wonderful shooting or the ability to break through Barcelona. That's not what I saw in his game. So, yes, while I agree that he's super effective... And I thought he was fantastic today and not taking anything away from him. I also think it's worth noting that, look, in most games, in most cases, teams sit back against Manchester United. And I think in those 90% of the time occasions, Scott McTominay is not your man. But that's just my opinion.
1: There's no doubt. i go back to that Barcelona game. Yes, he's not on the level of Messi or some of the Barcelona players. And again, it's probably, I was looking at his performance more from our point of view. And again, the expectations. We don't see him as this great footballer. We see him as this squad player who can come in and do a job, play more on the physical side of things. But you just have to look at just little things. And again, the goal, the assist for Dan James, the first strike was a fantastic strike as well. And I think we see him as this just sort of no-nonsense, hard Scottish, hard man. No, he's got very good feet and he's a very smart player. And I think Solskjaer has mentioned before, and anyone who's watched him going up through the youth teams, he is more of an attacking player than a defensive player. Now, the attacking players we have, such as a Bruno, a one match a Paul Pogba, a Donny van de Beek. there's sometimes the only room for him, is in a deeper role. But his attributes are actually more suited to going forward. I think, look, they, or he obviously plays next to Fred a lot of the time. If you look at Fred in that final third, or Scott McTominay in that final third, and Scott McTominay is the one who is the real goal threat. He actually does have quite a knack of scoring goals.
0: No, I'd agree there, and what I do also want to say is I think he is better than Fred. I think that that is a fair... I think that's a fair conclusion to make, um, particularly with what we have seen over the last few years. All right, Tom, moving on. um, Oh, by the way, can I just say, Bruno Fernandes, how slack is he not to give the penalty to Scott McTominay? Yeah, look, look, I am a bit filthy with Bruno, and again, uh, this is a little bit tongue in cheek because...
1: God, we've had plenty of plenty of penalty. If I get my words out, discussions over the years with sort of Man United and Pogba and Bruno and Rashford. But if you look at it, no no issue with Bruno taking the penalty. He's our number one taker. Score that's fantastic. Absolutely no issue, and I'm sure Scott McTominay has no issue. However, from a fan's point of view, it is a little bit sort of just a little bit disheartening because you think Scott McTominay scores a hat trick against Leeds. He goes down hero status for Man United. I've still never forgiven Wayne Rooney at Anfield, where one Matter was on, a, he scored an early double. Um, then we got a penalty in the last minute, pretty much last kick of the game, and Wayne Rooney took the penalty, and he, unfortunately he missed it. But I'm thinking, if Wayne Matter takes that and one Matter scores a hat-trick at Anfield, that's almost it gets a statue outside the ground. Like it would be unbelievable, and I just think how nice or how sweet it would be if McTominay, Scott McTominay scored a hat-trick against Leeds. I thought it would have been sort of something you remember in 50 years' time, you would remember that moment. And, look, a little bit telling cheap. Bruno's the penalty taker. Get a goal, that's fantastic. But, yes, I was a little bit disappointed in Bruno there.
0: I'll forgive Bruno because, again, I thought Bruno, what he showed today, again, is class, Tom. Just in that final third, his passing was unbelievable. He Again, he, score, he scores. He's scored an absolute rocket. I mean, I know it was a little bit fortuous but I thought the finish was still good nonetheless he had to have good awareness and good reflex there and I just think Bruno is he the best number 10 in the world is there really any debate should we just call it from now
1: I think we've had this discussion a little bit between us and again it's what's the best what what, what makes a player better than someone else cuz the obvious comparison is Kevin De Bruyne now if you look at the two and say who's the better footballer I'd say Kevin De Bruyne is by far a better footballer than Bruno Fernandes, however... Well, Bruno's potentially more effective, so that really makes him better. Like I Compare it to... You look at Andres Pereira and Scott McTominay. Andres Pereira is the better footballer. But Scott McTominay is 10 times better because he's so much more effective. So I think that is one where he might not be the best player, Bruno Fernandes... But you just have to look at the stats, and the stats maybe prove that he is the best because of what he contributes. And the stats were saying something like 27 Premier League games since he arrived, and he's had 29 goal contributions. And you can make what you want of his passes, his pass stats and everything, but those numbers don't lie. There's no If someone wants to argue that he's the best player in the league, you can't argue with it.
0: Moving on, and maybe just to the right of Bruno Fernandes, lined up with Dan James. And I thought the Welshman... While not fantastic today, I was really happy for him to score that goal. You could see it meant the world to him, and what I think he lacks in quality, today showed the type of game you can use Dan Dan James in. There was a lot of space for him to get into, and I thought, wherever there was space, he definitely did take advantage of it. His goal, look, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was a little bit lucky to go through the goalkeeper's legs, but I was happy with him. What did you make of his performance overall? Did you think he gave Solskjaer any sort of headache in terms of selections going forward, or... Do you think he was just effective for this type of game where he did get that space?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say like a selection headache for future games because I think we all knew this is what Dan James can bring in a game like this. So I think it's just maybe a confirmation for Solskjaer saying if we do... And the unfortunate thing is we're probably not going to play too many teams like Leeds. So the question will become how many times can you use Dan James like this? I think that'll be sort of the more concerning issue, but... I think, yeah, I called it before the game that maybe I didn't think he would play, but I did sort of see the positives if he did. And I thought, again, like you said, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't a 10 out of 10 performance, but for what you want, I thought he was brilliant. And again, like he's coming for so much criticism. He's coming, he's coming for a lot of abuse by United fans. But to see him score that goal, and you say yeah, a little bit lucky, but it's a hard one because, first of all, it's a great touch. He knows exactly what he's doing to get it round the defender. And then, unfortunately, it's on his left foot. He's not the strongest on his left foot, but he takes his time and realises, what well, I can't place this. If I place this, it's not going to have enough power. So he just gets his head over the ball and keeps it nice, hard and low, pretty much hoping that it does go between the keeper's legs, which it does from memory. And um, look, I thought he was, and look, he was so close to scoring one of the greatest goals we've ever seen on that counter attack when he was running. Somehow he's the one who gets booked where I thought it was a clear penalty. If it was inside the box, it was a clear penalty. Yep. And, um, Agreed there. I can't believe that didn't go back to
0: VAR and get it overturned. Well, could it be because he's booked him already? I'm not sure what the. Yeah, laws know, are I'm around sure there. there
1: might be a technicality of why they didn't, but I thought it, there was a, it was nowhere near a dog. There was a clear foul. It was, it yeah, he got like, a forearm was, across his face. Yeah, it, was it was almost was...
0: like a UFC chop.
1: And, and I think if that goes in, like if Dan James goes around him and you think in that position, he probably has a very good chance of slotting the ball home. We're talking one of the greatest Premier League goals you've ever seen.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, Look, I thought, like you say, I I agree with everything you said. And in terms of what he offers in that type of game, how often it comes along. Hey, you know who does like to play high press? Liverpool. So I'm I'm obviously tongue in cheek there. But Tom, moving on. um, Anthony Martial. A game where he honestly, he could have had a hat-trick himself. But what I will credit him with is while his confidence is shot, which it clearly is, you have to say his overall play today was excellent. I thought he was one of the best on the pitch for United.
1: Yeah, had so it'll be interesting when we go into the three-two ones, and it was almost it was such a frustrating performance by him at times because, as you mentioned, he was brilliant. I thought he was fantastic as a that sort of focal point as a centre forward. However, his job when it came to him in the sort of right in the centre of the box where you sort of put put your house on Martial to score, especially after sort of hopefully gaining confidence in his from the goal against uh, midweek. I can't see how he missed it. It was just like a textbook Martial chance. The ball opens up on his right foot. You think, just slot this into the corner. And he fluffs these lines a few times, and you just... That was so frustrating. And I think what made it even more frustrating, after he missed those chances, Leeds went up the other end. I think once they scored, and the other time they came very close to scoring. So they looked like potentially costly errors. And um, I think it's hard, because your mind sort of focuses on those, because you remember them. But if you actually do look at his overall performance, I think he was... Pivotal in um, the way we played. I thought he was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. How, did, how many assists did he get? Was it just the one for McTominay? I'm just trying to recall the recall the match in my head.
1: Um, he got the first. No, he played in McTominay for the second one. He got the header for Lindelof. And yeah. did he get one for the. He at least got 2 um, we I've seen one. He's definitely involved in a lot. I'm, I'm sure the listeners are screaming at their phones. They know exactly how many there were. But, um, yeah, we'll that's frustrating.
0: Yeah, excellent game. All right, Tom, let's go into the negatives because for all the wonderful goals that we did, you know, smacking six in the back of the net, we do have problems on the other side of the field. And defense, what did you make of it? Um, if we're looking at the two goals, look, one of them, absolute rocket. I can't... What was the... Do you recall the name of the goal scorer? I uh,
1: don't really care too much about Leeds. Really yeah, neither do I.
0: But nonetheless, nonetheless... The second goal, absolute rocket by Leeds. But in both cases, and then there's obviously we concede again from a set piece. Tom, look, how long, how long do we persist with this zonal marking? Like in my opinion, this is clearly the issue. It's a fundamental one. Now I'm not saying man for man marking is the solution. We know we got weaknesses in our defence. But if you look in purely at zonal marking, would you agree that this is an easy fix? for the Manchester United coaching staff, or is it something that we're all missing?
1: On the outlook, yes. It's an easy fix. Don't do zonal marking. There's big issues, though, which I think people, are, they, they want to focus on this zonal marking, but if you look at the last two goals we've conceded from corners, the header is under pressure. He's not free. He's not in a zone by himself. It is like we are man-to-man. I forget who wins the header over this time. I think it might be Fred. Fred might as well be man-marking him, so it's a man-marking system, but the guy wins the header. The issue for me is someone not winning the header... Nothing to do with man marking or zonal. It's an execution of sort of winning that battle. And the bigger issue for me, which would have prevented the last two goals, is not having men on the post. Those, the goal against Sheffield United and the goal today, if we have a man on that post, he just passes it out for a clearance, it goes out for throwing. That, is that the has to be coaching
0: me. instruction. Surely that's coaching yeah, instruction. Yeah, no, you what, can't what go two edit? games in yeah, a row.
1: That is part of the setup. So Solskjaer definitely takes blame for that. But this zonal marking, I wouldn't call it a myth because we are taking a, again a somewhat zonal approach. Some players are made marking, a few are zonal. zonal. There, there is a difference. You can do both, and United also have a little bit of a blend. But the issues aren't conceded because of zonal mark. You look at the Southampton. Was it Southampton? We conceded. It was a fantastic delivery. We had Southampton had six or seven players on the goal line. United had six or seven players on the goal line to mark them. There's nothing. It was, What are you going to do? Man mark or zonal there? Everyone is just in on the goal mouth. There's nothing you can do. It's a fantastic delivery. The issue for me is individuals winning their headers. Individuals, or whether this is a solskjaer issue or not, but individuals standing on the post to easily clear a ball. And um, I think people are just using the zonal marking as an excuse to sort of lay blame at someone, where if you look at sort of the, the little intricacies of it, I think it's a little bit more simple than that. Players need to win their headers.
0: Well, Fred didn't even compete, though. He was, his feet were planted square on the ground. He didn't even jump up for the ball. So that's, that comes down to, that's my issue with it. Well, that, with, that's, what issue he, with
1: that's nothing to do with Zonal. That's someone winning their head up.
0: No, I take that point. But what I do say is, if you have a man-for-man system, or maybe this is just a leadership thing on the pitch, if you know that, like if you're Harry Maguire and you can see, you know, Fred's about to get dominated in the air, he should have the awareness to say, oh, hold on, I'm a bigger man. He's the cl- he's clearly the biggest threat in the team. He should almost have a word to Fred and say, no, no, get out of the way, mate. Like, I'll take this one. I'm not saying this is Maguire's fault in this instance, but just as an example, but nonetheless, I'm sure we'll have this debate the next time we can see the corner next week against uh, Leicester or even against Everton midweek. Uh, Tom, I want to ask as well about the second goal. I don't know if I'm being hypercritical here, but Is there an issue with Aaron Wambasaka's positioning? Because I feel like the weak link is always coming in that zone between Lindelof and Wambasaka. And I don't know if you can say, is that Lindelof and Wambasaka clearly just need to communicate to each other? Or is this more Wambasaka's issue in his positioning's just not the greatest?
1: First of all, on the Lindelof-Wan-Bissaka relationship, I think that second goal is a communication thing. I think they get caught in two minds that Lindelof thinks one bissakas going to go, Wan-Bissaka thinks he should stay with his men, thinking Lindelof will press. I think that's a communication, sort of communication issue. wan in the whole, is getting a lot of criticism, and I think this is from loud voices on social media, saying he's getting drawn too close into the centre-backs and the ball's been thrown out to the their left winger and he's in too much space. I don't think it's an issue of him being out of position. I think the issue is his body position. I think he's facing the wrong direction. So when that ball goes over to the far side of the field, he's having a turnaround. And that split second of turning around can prove, the, can prove the, a whole world of difference. Like a split second changes the game. And I think his body position is, is just all wrong at times, both in attack and both in defence. I think mean, sometimes when he receives the ball, when we're playing out from the back, He receives the ball almost back to goal. So he's taken a touch and he's facing De Gea where he's then forced onto his left foot to play a pass inside and it doesn't quite work. I think he's sort of getting himself in a similar trap when we're defending. And again, he might be trying to cover for Lindelof and Maguire, but I just feel... And I think it comes down to a confidence thing as well. He's trying to be safe. So he's trying to face the ball where he can win headers. But if that ball does go over his head, which they are sort of targeting those long switch passes, he's having a turn round. And that split second of turning round is sort of proven a bit costly because the ball is flying over his head and he's sort of losing track of it. If he's body positioning, he didn't have to turn. If he was facing the right way for starters, he would have a track of the ball the whole way. But the moment you turn, you just get a little bit disorientated and suddenly their left wing is getting in a little bit. So I wouldn't say it's a position issue. It might be, it might be. But I think it's more a body position and awareness of the situation.
0: He's young enough. I think he's I think he will definitely fix this in his game as the years go on. I think he's 22 years of age. He'll get there. But, yeah, it's just it's a little bit frustrating and goals that we definitely can avoid. But, hey, look, Title 21, Tom, I'm, I'm going to say it, it can potentially happen. All right, let's go into the 3 two, ones. What are our, what is all the patrons in the pub saying, Tom? I want to hear it.
1: We'll, we'll go to the Facebook comments today. The Josh said, there's not been many games with the 3.30 a.m. start where we've had something to smile about. Top performance by the boys, thought everyone worked their socks off, was one of those games where I was bricking it when we were 4-1 up, and that it was end to end, we'll go Scotty for three points, two points for Fred, and one point for Dan James, fair play to James as well, not many people backed his inclusion, but didn't really put a foot wrong, and George says, although limited in their abilities, today demonstrated why both McTominay and James are extremely valued, members of the squad, three points for McTominay, two for Bruno, one for James. And Adam from the Sporters Club said, "Simple, no explaining. Four points for McTominay plus the assist, and two for Bruno. So, um, so hold on. Before we go into that, just before we get into our three two ones, just one which I think we forgot to mention. Um, Victor Lindelof popped up with a goal. Not often you see that.
0: No, and it goes on top of his assist from. Uh, was it midweek? I can't. I can't recall the days anymore. Yeah, Seriously, this a, year's I've just been. Who did we play? Shefford Sheffield player. United, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sheffield United. So, look, Lindelof's playing well, to be honest. And, look, I think Harry Maguire, if you're looking at our defence and you're saying, you know, where can we strengthen, I think Lindelof is the one who does come out. But I think he's. If you were an advocate for putting Lindelof on the left side of a central defence and putting a more dominant, quicker player next to Lindelof, I don't think United would be worse off in, in that respect either. But anyway, Tom, let's go to the League Cup preview. Um, for all the titles of... the council. One. Ah, well, yeah, we, sh- we should probably should do that. Forgive me. All right, three, two, ones, men of the match. Look, I think it's going to be pretty straightforward this week. Um, look, I think three points is Scott McTominay. Is there any debate there? No,
1: clearly. Easy three points.
0: Okay, I think... Look, maybe this is where it could get a little bit interesting. Um, two points. I'll give you the honours. Where, where are you going with that one?
1: Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to take the honours. I think this is one where there needs to be a little bit of discussion. Um, look, I think everyone was good. Uh, look, if Marshall scores a goal, I think he's nailed on for two points, but unfortunately the misses were quite... Again, they weren't costly, so it's sort of nothing to worry about, but a little bit frustrating. Bruno, again, did work very well. I think Fred played an important role in that midfield area. Um, what do you think of the two points?
0: Oh, I mean... It's funny. I say it's straightforward, but here I am. I'm stuck on it now. I thought you were going to give me a more concrete answer. No, Look, well, I've, I actually I've confused. I'm leaning towards Martial. I know he didn't score, but he got two assists, and I thought his overall link-up play was really good. Um, I think he offers something. He obviously offers class in that central position. I think when we went f- few when we went through rather those few games where you had Rashford centrally and Greenwood. Um, and you know, and then Cavani was scoring goals, and I think Martial copped a bit of unfair criticism. I know he hasn't been scoring, but like you say, if, if he scores today, I think there's almost a case to say he gets men of the match honours. I thought he was fantastic. So, look, I'm leaning towards two points for Martial. Um, have I made a solid enough case for you?
1: Yeah, no, look, I think a lot of people will probably disagree, but I heard one with you uh, on this one. I, th- I think he was very good. And unfortunately, strikers are judged on goals. But like we won six two and he, he was a he was a pivotal part of that especially with a few assists so and especially who I I want to give one point to and so I think Marshall for two points but for one point again it's hard when you're sort of what sort of what's worthy of points in a performance but I think we, special mention has to go to Dan James I thought the abuse and the criticism he's copped in recent months had, the criticism been warranted but it has been over the top at times and. I was over the moon for him when he scored. One, he played well, and he contributed, and you don't know how that game plays out without Dan James. So he's played a very important role and scored a very good goal. So I was absolutely over the moon for him, and I think, in my mind, that's worthy of a point for me, considering the situation.
0: Ah, uh, I was. I wanted to say Bruno. I thought Bruno was excellent today. scored two goals. Yeah, no, look, there's a case for Bruno, but, God, Bruno,
1: he's top of the table. Can we give something to James, or do you think it's... Too unfair on Bruno. Well,
0: are we giving out petty points now? All right, look, take all the. Here's the thing, Tom. Take all the criticism of Dan James aside. Would you honestly? Would you say he was in the top three best players on the pitch today? I thought um, he was good, but I'm yeah, not no, sure. No. He's... Uh,
1: in, in that aspect, I'd say no. However, in regards to a contribution, I would say if that was one matter on the right hand side, and we played Bruno in the same position, that game is completely different to playing Bruno in that position and Dan James on the right, I think the impact he had on that game, simply by his inclusion, was huge. And I'm not sure... I'm not saying we don't win the game without Dan James. We might win at 9-2. Who knows? But I think the impact, the direct impact he had, his pace had on the game, um, made it the game that it was.
0: All right, here we go. Dan James gets one point. Please direct your criticism to Tom. It it was not my doing. I just... I can't be bothered arguing with him. Look, you know what, Tom? Christmas is right around the corner. Let's just consider this a Christmas gift to Dan James. That, that's how we'll settle this. There we All go. All right. Good where, where was I three minutes ago? All right. League Cup preview. Uh, look, Tom, where do you place this in terms of importance? Do United put a strong side out? Do you expect a strong outing uh, or a strong lineup against Everton? And from your point of view, is it a must-win? Well, I
1: think what Solskjaer, one of Solskjaer's biggest pluses
0: against Leeds.
1: Was the use was the slight use of squad rotation because there's oh, five games in thirteen days coming up, some so you're absolutely nuts if you just wanted the strongest eleven every single week. While this was a huge game, it was good to rest play. So he's rested Greenwood. He's sort of rested Gervinho. He's rest Paul Pogba. So he's, he's sort of utilized the rotation of Luke Shaw and Alex Telles. So I think we're now in a position where we obviously the Leicester game is huge, which we'll get into later, but. He's rested the squad enough to maybe go I wouldn't say full strength against Everton But he can play Paul Pogger against Everton For example, I think Vander Baek, Beek We say this every week But I think it was potentially has to come in now And I think it's one of those ones where you say Is it important? For me, a lot of people obviously say No, it's a League Cup, don't care about it But we always sit here and say Inevitably, no matter how good it's going now I think a lot of us still are resigned to the fact that one day this could all come sort of crashing down and Solskjaer could lose his job, which is still a very likely scenario. And I just think that if that is the case, I know it's the League Cup, but we're so close uh, because it's, I wouldn't say an easy tournament to win, but you're always quite close to Wembley. I'd still love the opportunity to see Solskjaer lift a trophy. And I understand there's sort of bigger priorities. I fully understand that. But we're this close to Wembley, I think win one more game, we're in the semi-finals. And I'd just love to see Solskjaer win it. Other clubs don't really take it as serious. I don't know Pep Guardiola obviously does. But yeah, I'd love to win the League Cup. For the sheer fact, I want that image of Solskjaer lifting a trophy if if sort of he unfortunately does lose his job in the coming months.
0: I'm with you. And I just think in the context of where we sit this season and the disappointment of getting knocked out of the Champions League, you just think, what does this current group of players lack? It's that, it's that nouse for winning. And I think if you can just put a trophy under your belt it really does set you up for success and that's why Jose is so big on the League Cup if you've seen everywhere he's gone he's always put strong lineups there and because he always had this mentality of you know what it sets you up for the rest of the season you win a trophy at the halfway point be January it means you'll finish the season strong because the side's got that confidence to know that they can win. When you're you're the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and your team's won six Premier League titles, sure, you you can throw the League Cup in the bin, but I don't think we're in that luxurious position as yet. Um, Tom, before we obviously... Look, the Everton game, we will review it um, after the match on Thursday, but I sort of want to look at our our fixture pile-up over the next few weeks, given our league position. We've got Leicester on well Friday for the UK and then followed by Wolves midweek. And then you've got Aston Villa and uh, not too long after that to rein in the new year. So look to so we we win those three games and look the Leicester game is huge. It really is. But look, should we should we be able to get wins in all three games? You truthfully have to say we are in a really good position from the title. I think straight after those games we got we go into Liverpool. So, tell me how, how important if you're Solsha with the League Cup in taking into account here, where is your priorities lying? Are you looking ahead to Leicester in this case, given our league position, or are you think like if but if you say it's one all and it's the 80th minute? are you leaving your best players out on the pitch for that League Cup game, or do you keep an eye on Leicester? Because I'm telling you, we're in a good spot now, almost where we've been saying 21 as a joke, but, mate, it could be on.
1: Yeah, I think, look, as much as I've said, I'll, I i wouldn't say prioritise the League Cup, but as important as the League Cup is to me, obviously, I think because of the fixture, how close it is, I think the Leicester game obviously does take priority. So if... Someone is carrying an knock, a little bit tired. Get them off the field. If Bruno Fernandez isn't sort of feeling his hammy or something, a little bit or a little bit tired, get him off the field. Get Marcus Rashford off the field. Play um, Dean Henderson. Keep De Gea nice and fresh. Sort of Maybe play two on Zabi. But in in regards to the topic, because that Leicester game, it's all for me. I think the Leicester game is away. Is that correct? Have you got the fixtures there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's away. For me, that is almost yes. For Man United, go out to win every game. I think in in regards to. Getting to get into that Liverpool, not even to Liverpool game, get into January. I think you said if we can win those games, For me and it's it's not a defeatist attitude, but don't lose that Leicester game. Because you, you look at how good our results have been in coming weeks. It's amazing we haven't dropped points. Like you, you say there was twenty points up for grabs before the December, everyone's probably going, Oh, okay, we'll try and get fifteen points or whatever the situation was. But we're winning all these games. I think the only points we dropped was City. So we're going into this Leicester game. The they one point ahead of us or very very close to us, I think it's about not losing. I think it, it would be, it would be devastating to lose that because it would almost not be a kick in the teeth, but sort of a oh god, all our hard work's undone. So I think if we can get a draw out of that Le- the Leicester match and then beat I think who you say we have Aston Villa.
0: Yeah, we got Wolves and then Aston Villa. Wolves after. and Aston
1: Villa. So, look, Wolves is a tough game, but if we get through that Leicester game without losing, then win, take six points from the remaining two games, I think then it comes down, which we'll definitely have plenty of podcasts about, it'll be put in the board's hands. Okay, are we in a position to challenge for the title? Hopefully the answer is yes. Then the focus definitely shifts to Ed Woodward and getting sort of reinforcements in, because we saw the impact Bruno Fernandes had last season, and if we could potentially get maybe a defender in who can have that same impact on the defence... Um, who knows what could happen? Yes, at the moment it is a bit of a joke talking about 21 times, but come two weeks um, that picture might be a lot clearer and the, the path to success will be a lot clearer if there is a defender on the market.
0: All right, and before we wrap up, I want to ask you about the league cut. Would you be starting Cavani here or do you roll with Martial and just hope he puts a ball in the back of the net?
1: Um, f- For me... I would probably go on Cavani minutes. It just seems he hasn't been playing a lot recently. I don't know whether that's been the fixture rotation or one or two little injuries popped up. He's obviously got his suspension incoming, which I assume they'll drag out and they'll do it for the Liverpool match. Um, just that's written in stars. I called that the day after the social media post was done. They'll drag this out to the Liverpool match just because the irony of Uruguay number sevens and the Everest situation with Luis Suarez. So. I'll be playing Cavani, just I think he needs to get needs sort of those minutes under his belt because Martial, again, okay, the goals weren't flying in for him today, but he performed well. And I think if Martial performs well like that against Leicester, um, we've got a chance because I like Johnny Evans as a defender, but if Anthony Martial plays well against Johnny Evans, Martial plays better than Johnny Evans and will kill him. So um, I'll be resting Martial for that one, I think.
0: No, solid point. All right, Tom, before we wrap up, um, tell me... The Everton match, what are you feeling? Are we going through to the final, or do you think this might be one where we fall a bit short? We have a trend of falling short in semifinals, unfortunately.
1: Well, this is the quarterfinal, not the semifinal.
0: Oh, it is too, but you take my, you take yeah, my I point. Yeah,
1: I get your point, I get your point. Um, it's hard. Everton away always worries me, but we did win there a few weeks ago, so... Look, I feel when confidence is higher, confidence is higher, I can see us winning, um, and... Ultimately, that one day we're going to get a defeat. Hopefully it's not around the corner, but at the moment, while confidence is high, I can see this, even with one or two sort of rotations in the squad, I can see it's not comfortably winning, but if they have Jordan Pickford in goals, just shoot the ball on target, there's a chance of going in. He might not be able to reach it.
0: Oh, yeah, you love calling him the T-Rex, don't you, Jordan Pickford? Oh, I don't love doing it. I'm just stating facts. <laughs> Alright, I think that's a good place to leave the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you give us a like, be subscribed, leave us a comment on iTunes. Look, we, we love the feedback and I've got to say the amount of people who have reached out over the last few weeks with feedback, um, we've been hearing it um, and it's great to hear that lots of people are enjoying the podcast. So again, pleasure as always. Tom, thanks mate. Um, I guess we'll be chatting after the Everton match, talking about going to the semi-finals in the League Cup.
1: Um, you can be talking about that. I'll be talking about what I expect from you for my Christmas present, but, um, yeah, it will be a good podcast, hopefully.
0: All right, what present are you after? Um,
1: a PlayStation 5, please.
0: All right, mate, um, I think you and half of Australia is waiting, so, yeah, we'll see. All right, that's a good one. Cheers, mate. Cheers.